Distilled is a production of Chemical Processing. Chemical Processing focuses on serving engineers, designing and operating plants in the chemical industry. Welcome to the Solution Spotlight edition of our Chemical Processing Distilled podcast. Solution Spotlight, delving deeper into a topic from an industry perspective. I'm Tracy Purdom, Executive Editor of Chemical Processing. If you're just tuning in, this is the final episode of our three-part cybersecurity series with Matt Malone, ICSOT Cybersecurity Consultant at Yokogawa. A graduate of Texas A&M, Matt has devoted his career to learning everything possible about how to secure industrial control systems against cyber attacks. Hi, Matt. Well, we made it through the series. Thank you for sticking with me. Hey, not a problem. Thanks for having me back. Our first two episodes, we covered the why and how of cybersecurity. Now let's talk about the who. And I'm not talking about Pete Townsend and Roger Daltrey, although Won't Get Fooled Again could potentially be our theme song for this whole series. Uh, But let's talk about who needs to be involved and why. Oh, absolutely. So you asked me a question about this on, I think it was episode one of this series, and I briefly touched on some of the people who might be in the position of creating a cybersecurity program. I'll, I'll just kind of I'll, I'll go back to that and then I'll kind of expand on it. So the the sites that I've been to, there have been some folks that have more or less been thrust in this position, voluntold, so to speak. Um, and it may be somebody that is from the IT side that's now in charge of OT security. It may be, you know, one of our process control engineers or chemical engineers that's wearing four hats. And the plant manager says, oh, by the way, I need you to do cybersecurity as well. And so that's it. I'm not going to, you know, beat around the bush. That's a tough spot for anyone to be in. The the space right now is is very young. And as such, finding the people that have the the, first off, finding people that have the interest to want to do that is going to be a challenge. And then finding the people that are interested and qualified is also going to be a challenge. So for somebody that it's kind of been in thrown in this position. My, my first piece of advice is to build that cross-functional team and get somebody that's from process control, get somebody who has some networking experience, even if it's just on the IT side, because that's going to come into play, especially if you're going to be doing in-house projects, or even if you're just evaluating um, a turnkey project, you're having an OEM provider or an integrator do. Right, they're going to be want, you're going to want their their expertise in evaluating any kind of changes that are being uh, proposed for the 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 outfit that's doing that project. And make sure it's going to be kosher uh, within standards and everything like that. And you, I would also recommend having somebody from process safety as well. And so now you've built this coalition of folks within your plant that have all these little different expertise. Uh, or these these areas of expertise, but whenever you and, and the reason why that's important is because whenever you take that team to management with your proposal, with your budget, with your cybersecurity roadmap, you carry the weight of all of that political capital behind you. When it comes to for it's I, I, let me put it this way: it's very hard for somebody in management to say no to four leaders within their organization than it would be to one, right? Um, And so especially when it comes to cybersecurity and you've got, all right, well, hey, here's the output of our assessment. 
We had a third party that came in and gave us this information. They gave us these recommendations. We developed this roadmap. Here's our priority list. And now I've got somebody from IT. I've got somebody from process safety. I've got somebody from uh, process control. They're all saying we need to do this. This is the budget outline for year one. This is our perspective budget for year two. You build that case, and that makes it really hard for management to say no. Excellent advice there and, and great points. Uh, talking about putting together this cross-functional team, this force to be reckoned with, can facilities go it alone in terms of designing and executing a cybersecurity plan? Oh, I wouldn't recommend it. And, and my heart goes out to anybody who's ever had to do that um, because they're, they're out there. You know, uh, like I said, there, there's some folks that are at the same time they're bailing out their lifeboat we've got somebody from management that throws them an anchor at the same time. Mm. Um, and so if it's somebody from, uh, you know, facilities, yeah, r- reach a hand out. And I guarantee you that it's, it's not going to come back in vain. There, there are folks out there. If you go to them and you ask for help, uh, just because I've seen it so many times in my, in my own work, right. Uh, I'll, I'll come in for a consultation meeting and it won't be just, okay, hey, I'm Jim, I'm the chemical engineer uh, for plant X, we need to do this. No, it's, it's Jim, who's the Kimmy, and then I've got Mike over here, who is uh, their IT manager. And, you know, and so it's, it's usually people that have uh, a vested interest in these things anyway, because it affects their daily job. And that's why it, 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 they have an interest in this. So if you have right now, it's, I don't think I've been in a meeting and over a year where somebody from the enterprise IT side hasn't sat in on a cybersecurity consultation call dealing with, the, with their OT network, right? You know, I think we're past that point of IT, OT convergence. I, it's converged. We're there, you know? Right. And, and, be, and because of that, you know, the folks on the IT side, they've got a vested interest of what's going on in the DCS. Same with your facilities, folks. Same with your field engineers, you know, this is all going to be downstream and it's going to affect their job as such. That might be even a way to ask their help saying, hey, the boss told me we've got to do this for cyber. I know this might mess you up, maybe not in six weeks, but maybe in six months. And I just want to make sure I've got your inputs on this before I send this plan out. Okay, so now you've got that person's buying. So the, the, the more leaders that you can, you can find, uh, maintenance, I think that I'm leaving somebody out. I hope I don't get a nasty gram from somebody saying, hey, you didn't mention me. But, <laughs> uh, you know, but those are the folks I'd recommend just off the top of my head. We talk about, you're talking about the leaders, getting everybody at the table and, and talking about what needs to be talked about. Let's think about training and what does effective training entail? Man, so that really depends on what the outcome is going to be. You know, there, if you're looking for a specific type of certification that is going to be part of that program, right? So if you're developing this cybersecurity program and your program says, you know, we require this many number of people with this background and this type of certification, then you're going to have to go through, you know, CompTIA, uh, GIAC, you know, some of those global, ISACA, I think is another one, some of these global certification bodies you're going to have to pay for those classes and then pay for the testing. And then you might have to pay for the retesting. Hopefully not cross your fingers, depending on how all that goes, you know, so that part is, there's no way around that. If, if that's what 
the program says, and that's what the company wants to, you to abide by, you've got to go that route. Otherwise, there is a lot of great informal training that can be done. And I remember there, were, there was a phrase back around like 2010, 2012 about the great crew change. And I think you had a lot of folks maybe from the boomer generation that were retiring and everybody uh, was be bemoaning and bewailing. There was gnashing of teeth. We're losing all of this intellectual capital that we built. And, you know, that, and it didn't have to be that way, right? And so having some of these informal training situations once a month, I think is fantastic because and you can almost kill two birds with one stone, right? So you've got mandatory training probably for phishing email attacks and everything like that. Okay. Well, let's couple that. We can cover that in five, 10 minutes. Let's use the rest of that time for cyber awareness and say, okay, this is what it will look like if somebody is taking control of your workstation, right? This is what's going, it's not just going to be somebody moving your mouse around. If you hear, you know, it can be stuff like if you hear all your fans kick it up to 11, uh, you know, something odd is happening. We might want them to go check that out. And so there, there, there are two avenues. Uh, there are also some companies out there. We're one of them. We provide training uh, that is, you know, a, a little bit more regimented in terms of, uh, you know, we've got uh, a learning objectives, learning outcomes, slide decks based off of each subject uh, within the greater cybersecurity uh, sphere itself. You know, so there, there's a couple of avenues of approach that, uh, that companies can take depending on what their outcomes are. And I like that that hybrid approach, you know, talking about the formal stuff and then getting informal and getting that those nuggets of knowledge that, you know, they wouldn't even realize and just kind of shooting the breeze and, and really disseminating all of the good bits that, that they can then take and apply in case of emergency. And I think that's, that's a wonderful. Oh, offering. absolutely. Yeah. You know, I, I may know, you know, a little bit. I'm still learning about cybersecurity. I'm, you know, I, I try to learn more every day. But I'm definitely not a subject matter expert when it comes to your plant, right? The, 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 the operator that's been there for 10 years, he, he can probably take a good sniff of the wind and he can tell, okay, <laughs> I need to adjust, you know, my set point over here. Or I need, you know, are the burners a little too high? Over, you know what I'm saying, right? That, that type of tribal knowledge, it's not, I'm never going to be able to touch that, okay? And that's the stuff that can be dealt with in some of those informal training stuff. Let's talk a little bit about some of the challenges in terms of personnel and what's at stake. Like I said, you know, this is, this is a young space, OT cybersecurity. And, you know, I, 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 about once a month, I'll, I'll get a youngster, um, you know, that is, you know, maybe they're in year three or four of college. They've, they've majored in cybersecurity and they're looking for, you know, hey, what do I need to do next? What's a good company to go work for? They're really gung-ho about cybersecurity. And, and I think that's a promising outlook on the, the future. Um, unfortunately, you know, the, the, the folks that are qualified and interested in OT cyber uh, are kind of hard to find right now. And so there's two ways we can go about that. And if you're of the HR persuasion out there, um, I understand if you don't want to hear this, and that's fine. But the first thing and the easiest thing uh, is going to be, you know, upping the, upping the pay scale for your cyber folks, right? Because, you know, money, money talks. You know, that, that's what's going to be the biggest thing for folks to either, you know, move companies from another company 
Um, or if you're trying to, to hire somebody who maybe just got certified, maybe they just graduated, something to that effect. Uh, and the other avenue of approach would be to train folks internally. And that's not, you know, we, we've dealt with that both ways at Yoko Dawa. We had to turn it up a notch in order to get some more cybersecurity engineers brought in just because it's a competitive field right now. And we're also, uh, you know, taking some folks that have a fantastic history of uh, DCS engineering, right, from all levels, you know, from um, uh, the DMZ all the way down to the field instrumentation level. And now we're just adding in the cyber aspect. We're getting them certified for GICSP. And now we're basically making a cybersecurity engineer that has a fantastic uh, resume in terms of OT networking uh, and OT engineering. So that, you know, that's, that's not an easy answer, but that's an answer. Exciting times, for sure. You and I have been together now for three episodes, and I, I, I want to toss out a question for you. Anything you'd like to add that we maybe not have touched on that you think is important across the board in terms of cybersecurity? Okay, this is, yeah, so if, if we have any folks out there that are going to clutch your pearls, now's your chance. Um, <laughs> Air gapping is a myth. I, I, I try to, to, to be, you know, soft and nurturing whenever I hear a client say that because um, I don't want to just, you know, blurt out, well, you know, your baby's ugly kind of a deal. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think most people that I'm having conversations with, they understand their baby's ugly. They, still, they just don't want to hear it from another person. So I'll, I'll just say this, you know, don't, don't trust in air gapping. It, it's, it's not functionally possible anymore. It just, it's just not. We, that's just something we've got to let go. You know, the, we, we closed the door on being able to air gap our technology whenever we went off proprietary systems. And I mean, like, every, the old proprietary days where if you wanted a DCS, then it had, you know, it was, it was a Yokogawa monitor. It was a Yokogawa server. Oh, geez, it wasn't even a server back then. But you know what I'm saying. Everything came from a Yokogawa factory or the other OEM factory. Uh, today, everything is COTS running the OEM proprietary software on it. Well, at least it is in, uh, you know, the DMZ level one, level two, PCN, things like that. That's different when you get down to your controllers and down to your field instrumentation. Uh, but for the most part, the networking is done on, you know, commercial off-the-shelf hardware and the associated software with that. And ever since then, it's just, you know, we're, 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 everything's wanting more data back up to the enterprise side for business purposes and things like that. And it's just not, it's just not doable anymore. We need, we need, to, we need to bury it uh, and just move on as an industry, thinking that we can never rely on air gapping ever again. Well, Matt, you've proven to be the most valuable tool in terms of understanding cybersecurity risks and what's needed to mitigate them. I appreciate the candor in everything that you've discussed with us. On behalf of Matt and the team at Yokogawa, I'm Tracy Purdom, and this is Solution Spotlight. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.